You know, we're in our series, Fixer Upper, which is all about seeing restoration in our lives, seeing God restore parts of our lives that, that we need to be uh, vibrant, that we need to be um, full of life. But a lot of times what happens is we don't really focus on them and, and we see things in our lives start to deteriorate. And I fully believe that God wants to restore the relationships in our lives. And uh, we've talked about our relationship with Jesus talked about marriage, parenting, and this week we're talking about friendship, talking about restoration in our friendships. And I believe that we're in a day and age where a lot of our friendships are very shallow. You know, we call everybody our friend, but a lot of times we don't have any like real friends that truly know us. We're, we're you know, the God has wired us for community, and I think sometimes we neglect that community and we see it come to life. Here at the church, we talk a lot about how important relationships are. We say things like life change happens in the context of relationships. We say, man, we are not a church uh, with life groups or with small groups. We are a church of small groups. We say a lot of these different things, but there are times where just because I say it, sometimes I'm not about it. There are, there are plenty of times where I choose isolation instead of community. There was a company that uh, they had four values that they, <clears throat> they put all over their office, and the values were integrity, communication, respect, and excellence. And this company was Enron. And so you can see that just because you say something or you say you're about something does not necessarily mean that you are truly about it. And I think a lot of times we talk about how much we need friendship, how we need community, how we need that connection but the way we act in our lives, the way that we isolate ourselves, shows differently. Uh, it, there's, a, there's a stat that says one in four Ameri Americans won't go to the doctor's office simply because of rising prices. Uh, I don't go to the doctor for a lot of reasons. I just don't like going. Um, I don't know why. Like I, they call it white coat syndrome, and I literally like my blood pressure goes through the roof just because like I'm in a doctor's office and I'm just, I just do not like it. But one in four won't go simply because of the rising prices. And so a way that they try to help with this is, is there's different companies. One of them is called Doctor on Demand, and it's these doctors that can treat 90% of cases that urgent care can for $300 less. And what it is is it's basically te you use technology. A doctor can see you um, through technology online. You don't have to see them in person. And this has been a great alternative to a lot of different things. It, it makes it much cheaper, and it's a great alternative. But the thing is, like I was thinking about it, it that, is a, that is awesome for 90% of the cases, but for 10% of the cases, let's say you need surgery or you need an operation, uh, doctor on demand would, not, would be terrible. Because doctor on demand would not, without them seeing you in person, without that sort of um, them being there, there are certain things that they would not be able to do. And so we've got this thing that's great for some simple things, but at the, for, it, it is a terrible substitute for when there needs to be an operation. Now, I believe social media is a great avenue when it comes to some things. I believe if you want to share pictures of of your kids or your dog or your meal, whatever you want to share, um, you know, that's great. 
And sometimes it's great to be able to sort of see what some of your, you know, maybe friends from high school or, or different people are doing. But social media is a terrible substitute for true connection. I believe we need the real thing. Uh, it's kind of like in the, in the 90s, there's this huge boom and surge of pornography when the internet started uh, developing. And just recently, scientists are starting to see the effects that it has had on people's brains. And even just the lack of ability to truly connect and love, because there has been this cheap substitute, this, it seems easy, an easy substitute in place of it. And I believe that, that with the surge of the internet has become, this, there's this hyper connectivity where we are connected to everybody, where we can see what everybody's doing, yet at the same time it's ironic because it is completely taking us away from the true connection that we need. And I believe that, that just like pornography has a, a scientific effect on our health, I fully believe that isolation and loneliness does the same thing. There's this article that I read. It says, in 2017, former U.S. General, uh, US Surgeon General uh, Vivek Murthy identified the most common threat to public health that he had seen. Not heart disease, diabetes, or cancer, but loneliness. Isolation and weak social connections, he wrote in a Harvard Business Review, are associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And even greater than that associated with obesity. Loneliness is also associated with a greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, depression, and anxiety. And they called loneliness an epidemic, something that is sweeping our nation. And it said this, The culprits are manifold and include the fluidity of modern life. We move and change, change jobs more. The weakening of community institutions such as service organizations and faith groups. The gig economy and our increasing reliance on social media. You see, we are wired for friendships, for community. God has created you to be like that. It, it, that is a good desire. That it, it is so important, but... The way life is going, it becomes harder and harder and harder to truly connect. And I believe that God wants to restore your life through friendships today. To truly see what is a good friendship. What does that look like? So we're going to focus on restored friendships. The first thing is that if you want restored friendships, you have to start with yourself. The very first thing is to portray the friendship you want to have. That's in your notes there. Portray the friendship that you want to have. If you want to have a good friend, be a good friend. Show people the picture of what good friendship looks like. You lead the way. Proverbs 11.25 says, Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Sometimes we wait for other people to refresh us, but what the Bible is saying is that if you want to be refreshed, start with refreshing others. You lead the way. You paint the picture for other people of what good friendship looks like. I want you to, this week, every day, say, I'm going to refresh somebody today and see what that does in your own life. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 
to portray the friendship that is needed, we, we, we need to uh, serve one another. God wants you to serve. You know, I think you'd be amazed at how rich of friendships you will find when you lead the way, when you portray the kind of friendships you want to see in your life. The second thing is to pour into the friendships you already have. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. It simply means take care of the friendships that you already have. Be intentional. A lot of times it's easy to get into the rush of life and to completely forget the friendships that we have. But I believe that God wants us to be intentional. The third thing is, is to part with friendships you can't have. Part with friendships you can't have. You know, there's a difference between some stuff is like really petty, like it just isn't a big deal. And it's some stuff that we just have to get over and, and stop burning bridges over the smallest things. But there are some relationships that are absolutely toxic, where you know, this is not a good friendship for me to have. This is going to keep me from growing closer to God. And those are the toxic relationships that you have to part ways with. You know, there's times where it's like, oh, she got me the, the wrong color toaster on my registry. We're done. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, that's, that's stuff that's like, just like, just get over it. Like, there's simple things where you just need to, it might be something that just annoys you or just something that, that you need to just get over. But then there are other people where it truly is toxic, where you know there is a kind of life that I am, because I am a new creation, I can't be part of that. And you simply have to cut ways with it. And our mind automatically goes to like drugs, alcohol, like all that kind of stuff. But like, I believe there are other things like negativity and pride and different things that, you know, we all have. But there are some people where you know, okay, if I'm going to continue being their friends and there is no life change, you might need to just say, you know what, I've got to cut ties and, and start investing in some different relationships. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. In Psalm 1.1, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. I believe that God wants to use people in your life who are going to build you up, who are going to bring you closer to God. And so sometimes with that, there are friendships where you have to part ways with. The fourth thing is to pursue the friendships you need to have. Pursue the friendships that you need to have. You know, some people take the advice of the great theologian uh, Drake when he says, no new friends, no new friends, no new, no, no new friends. Um, <clears throat> there are times where we do that though, where we say, ah, I've got my group of friends. I, I'm good. I'm just going to stick with what God has given me. But I believe there are times where we have to pursue the friendships that you need to have. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. So sometimes you need to think, who is the kind of person that I want to be like? And that's not to say that, that you're like anybody's perfect, but to say, man, they have really walked in a way that's wise and I want to follow that. But I believe that we cannot sit back and wait for people to approach us. I believe that we need to pursue those friendships. Find somebody who's wise and say, hey, can I meet with you? Can I take you out to coffee? Pursue those friendships. 
You know, a lot of times what happens is we just take what's handed to us. Just the people that we are comfortable with now, we just think these are the people I'm going to walk with. But I believe that there are people that God wants you to pursue. Um, I saw a study the other day. Uh, I want to ask you, who here uses Safari or Internet Explorer as your browser? Safari or Internet Explorer. Who uses Google Chrome or uh, Firefox? Okay, wow, wow. Okay, cool. Who here is like uh, um, uh, AOL or any of those? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Earthlink. Uh, so Safari or Internet Explorer versus Chrome and Firefox. Uh, one of, the, one of the studies have shown that people that use Firefox and Chrome significantly outperform Safari and Internet Explorer users. So, uh, um, I don't... <laughs> and this isn't to say that, and, and this isn't to say, like, this is sweeping, like, you will do better if you use this. Um, it, it, it simply was saying that uh, Safari and Internet Explorer are the browsers that are given to you when you get your computer. And so the people that typically use Chrome or Firefox had to actually go and find online how to download Chrome or Firefox and download that onto their computer because they believe this is a better browser. So they believe that the connection there isn't simply like this one runs faster or this one's better and that's why they perform better in their jobs. It says that um, Firefox and Chrome users stay in jobs 15% longer. It's not a technical advantage. It is just that people use Firefox and Chrome, for the most part, went and got that themselves and pursued it. So I thought that was really interesting, that the pursuit of that, to say, I'm not going to take what was given to me, but I think something better is out there. And I believe with our friendships, there are a lot of times where we have people in our lives where we, need, we don't need to just cut ties with everybody we know, but we need to say, you know what, I do need some people in my life who are more positive who are more driven, who are great fathers, who are great spouses, and pursue those people and say, I'm not just going to take what's been given to me. I'm going to find the kind of people that are living the life that, that, that I look up to, and I'm going to find them, and I'm, not just going to, I'm just going to ask them, hey, can we spend some time together? Pursue the relationships that you need to have. It's kind of like, you know, Growing up, like when it was my birthday, like I wouldn't tell anybody it was my birthday, and I would sit back and wait and see like who didn't wish me happy birthday. And I think my like sick weird dream was like a 16 candles where like nobody wished me happy. Too old? Okay. Um, it's a movie from the 80s. But anyways, the, like I thought like may, maybe there would be a day where nobody wishes me happy birthday. And just this victim mindset of like nobody... Eeyore, just nobody remembers me. Um, and as I grow up, it's like, I realize, like, okay, if I want people to remember my birthday, like, it's not bad to say, hey, my birthday's coming up, like, in a week or so. Uh, just, just remember that. It was, like, on, on The Office, um, Michael Scott, he, um, it was his birthday, and he wanted everybody to wish him happy birthday, so he called his ex-girlfriend, and he was like, hey, Jan, wanted to wish you happy birthday. She's like, it's not my birthday. He's like, oh, I could have sworn we had the same birthday. And she was like, uh, happy birthday, Michael. He's like, oh, thank you. Um, but there are times where, where we have to put the ball in our court and we pursue the friendships that we desire to have. We don't just sit back. And this is what we do. We sit back and we wait and we say, man, nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. Nobody. And, but we don't reach out to anybody. 
We just sit back and we play the victim and we just think, well, I don't have anybody who loves me. I don't have anybody. And God's saying today, you put the ball in your court. You pursue the kind of friendships that you need to have. And here's the thing. You're going to pursue some people and, and it's not going to be mutual. They're, they're, they're not going to be a good friend. That's okay. You keep going. Keep pursuing. Keep finding people that could be good friends in your life and, and you go after them. So, so that's kind of like what we have to do. We have to look at ourselves. We have to, be, we have to portray what good friendships look like. We have to be the one that, that, that are pouring in. We have to be the one who are pursuing. I, I want to like really stress that because a lot of times we just put it on everybody else. Like We have to lead the way. But, but what does a good friend look like? And so here are three things that I want you guys to think of that, that kind of show what a good friend looks like. The first is a sofa, a sofa. They allow you to be yourself, and great friends bring refreshment. The reason I thought of a sofa is because when there's been a long day at work, or there's been, I don't know, like it, it's just been like, a, like you've been working hard or you're tired, the best thing is to, to like get sweatpants on, just to get, get comfortable. And Amber hates this, but like I don't know why, but I feel like I have to launch myself onto a sofa. And she tries to tell me, she's like, this is how you should do it. You just come here and you bend your knees and you just sit on the sofa. I'm like, no, if I'm tired, the greatest thing is to straight like launch myself and the couch will move back like a, probably a foot. I'm a big man, but it just feels so good just to just be like, oh yes, lay it all out. Like I am refreshed. But when it, com- when it comes to friendships, you need those sorts of friends in your life where you, when you leave, you don't feel like just drained. You feel refreshed. And a lot of you know that feeling where you, man, you get in the car and you're just like, wow, I feel refreshed. I'm ready to go. Psalm 23, 2-3, you know, it talks about God as our shepherd, but he said he, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Romans 1.12 says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want um, to be encouraged by yours. This is mutual refreshment where, where we just feel refreshed. Like, man, I can finally be myself. C.S. Lewis said the typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. That's what friendship is. When you find somebody that you can just be yourself. You don't have to fake anything. You don't feel like you're competing with anybody. You just are simply yourself. I, I want to encourage you to find these friends because that is the greatest feeling in the world is to be around somebody and you're not even having to think about it. You're just, your friendship, it just makes it to where you just leave feeling absolutely refreshed. You don't feel drained. So, so find friends that allow you to be refreshed, but you yourself be one of those sorts of people to where you're not just talking about yourself the whole time, where you are asking them questions, you are encouraging them, that you are blessing them. So be that kind of friend. The second is a hospital, a hospital. Great friends help you to be your whole self. And great friends bring healing. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. 
God's vehicle for healing is relationships. And great friends desire to see healing in your life. Galatians 6, this is such a great passage when it comes to friendship. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. In this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. You know, the first part is it says to help that person back, and it's the picture of a broken bone, to restore a broken bone, to gently. You don't snap it back into place and say, stop doing that. You shouldn't have done that. No, it's to gently restore, to bring it back. When you have friends in your life who are caught in sin or they have messed up, be the kind of friend who is like a hospital that says, okay, we're going to find healing from this. We are going to get stronger from this. We are going to keep going. You know, one of the things about the dentist is I hadn't gone to the dentist in the longest time. And I remember going to the dentist and they made me feel so bad about not going to the dentist. It's like, I'm here. I know. I know I messed up. I hadn't been here in like 10 years. I get it. But let's like move on from here. It's like with Jesus, with the woman caught in adultery. He says, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. It was this perfect balance of, hey, I don't condemn you. But hey, let's get better. Let's, let's grow. Let's heal. Be that kind of friend who has that balance. You know, so, so you have the, the, where it says, okay, if somebody is caught in sin, this is how you do it. But then there's other people who, where your friendships are just, they are hurting. Something difficult has happened. And it's nothing because of what they've done. It is just life. Life is hard. And, and the more that you live it, I feel like the more you realize, man, we are in a fallen world and there are just difficult things that happen. I feel like more and more and more, I've just come across people where I just have to say, man, I'm so sorry that that happened. I don't, I don't understand why that happened. I'm so sorry you're going through this. And great friends, great friends are, are able to, to, like it says, carry the burden with the other person. G.K. Chesterton said in prosperity, our friends know us. In adversity, we know our friends. Man, that is such a good uh, quote. In prosperity, our friends know us. In adversity, we know our friends. Um, you know, the, the NFL draft just happened. And one of the, well, the greatest story of the draft is there's this guy named Shaquem Griffin. Can you go ahead and, and bring up the picture of him? Okay, so that's Shaquem Griffin. He played at the University of Central Florida. What you, what you can see is, is with his right hand, he has his right hand, but his left hand, it, he, he was a twin. And when he was in his mother's womb, the, the umbilical cord wrapped around his wrist. And so when he, was, he was, when he was born, he was born without a hand. But what's amazing is that um, yesterday he was drafted to the Seattle Seahawks. And, and he, his combine numbers were amazing. He ran the 40 in 4.38, which was the fastest any linebacker ever has. And he, he benched um, 225 pounds 20 times. 20 times. And that might be confusing. How, can, how was he able to, with one hand, do that? But what was so cool is that I saw this video of where his dad would basically come up with these different ways, these different contraptions. He would invent these things to where he knew that his son, Shaquem, would be able to, let's say, bench press. Like he had this thing where he knew, okay, he can rest 
um, he, he can rest his, his, his left arm on this thing and be able to bench. And, 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 and he had all these different things where he, he said, what I would do is I would, I would try these things out to where if I did not have my left hand, would I be able to do this exercise? And I thought that was such a perfect picture of what true friendship is. Like what we need to do is that, man, we, are all, we all have insecurities, hurts, pains, sins, mistakes, all these different things that, that we sometimes think this is going to keep me from the dream that I have. And I believe a great friend decides, okay, it, we, they don't just sit there and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Let's just, let's just you know, let's, that means your dream can't come true. It's to say, man, I'm so sorry. How can I help you still see your dream come to life? I believe that true friends are able to do this. And the third thing is, is a great friend is like nitrogen. And I'll explain this in a second. But they push you to be your best self. And great friends bring inspiration. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, The glory of friendship is not the outstretched hand, not the kindly smile, nor the joy of companionship. It is a spiritual inspiration that comes to one when you discover that someone else believes in you. There was a pretty cool uh, scientific video that was on Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I want you to check this out. Okay, uh, so we're starting with a light bulb. Okay. So do you know how a light bulb works? Yes, I think there's a trap, there's a gas in there. Yes, trap. that's right. Exactly. And then, yeah. Exactly. So the uh, electricity, he was right. He yeah, was right. Don't laugh good. at him. Yeah. <laughs> so the electricity passes through into a tungsten filament that's inside this light bulb. The tungsten heats up and it gives off a really bright white light, white mm. hot. Yep. Which is hotter than red hot, so it's real hot light. Um, so uh, do you know who invented the light bulb, by the way? Thomas Edison. He wishes he invented the light bulb. <laughs> no, a lot of people worked on the light bulb at the same time. Joseph Swan is the first one, but he and really? Edison eventually worked together a little bit. But, a little truth. But it didn't work very well uh, because uh, he didn't know what you know about a non-reactive gas inside of the bulb at the time. So his light bulb burnt out pretty quickly. So we have a couple of light bulbs here that don't have the glass globe on top. Okay. So uh, go ahead. You could turn this one up. Turn it all the way up. Just right, ramp it up to 100. Up. Go all the way. I love this. And thing, watch what way. happens. So God. here we go. Our light bulb will light up, and that yep. filament's burning really, really, really hot. Yep. And the oxygen in the air reacts with the tungsten, creating tungsten oxide. And Kevin, it, over here. Kevin, where are you? Over buddy? here. Okay, Kevin. Thank and you very much. And it goes out. It goes out. So that's what happened with Joseph Swan. It didn't stay lit for very long. The, the tungsten. So a lot of people, yeah. So Edison figured out the gas, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, we have a non-reactive gas here, except uh, it's in its liquid form. This is my old friend, liquid nitrogen. Yes, we love, we love liquid, liquid nitrogen on this show. So yeah. we're going to make a liquid light bulb using that nitrogen. So, all right, I'm going to dunk this slowly in here. Now, you can kind of... Turn up the light again, and we can dim the lights down. I'm going to put an electrical charge. <laughs> to it's your not head. water; it's nitrogen, so okay, it's not going good. to electrocute me. I hope. We'll hey, find out. All right, ready? You're always a great guest. All right, I go ahead. Say, Thanks, thank you man. very much. It's been good. It's been good. Go ahead and turn it on. There we go. Look at that! So now we have a nice liquid light bulb. Why is that working? There's no, there's no oxygen. There's no oxygen, so it's nitrogen, so our light can burn really, really brightly. But you guys can bring the lights back up. Okay. But when we take it back out into the air, all that oxygen. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Here we go. 
So when I saw this, I thought it was so cool because I thought it was such a great picture of what great friendship looks like. I believe that great friends give you that environment to shine like God wants you to. I believe that when we surround ourselves with negativity, when we surround ourselves with pride, when we surround ourselves with these different things that are so contrary to the gospel, it is so hard to keep our shine bright. I believe when we surround ourselves with people who encourage you, who build you up, who speak into you, who believe in you, gives you that environment to shine where when, when, when people see you, that they see this light where they think, man, where did that come from? And you need those friends who are going to be that environment. You need to be that friend that creates that environment. That when other people are excited about something, you're not negative and you don't, you're not competing with that person. You are encouraging them and saying, I believe in you. You're the kind of person that, that speaks into somebody's life and says something that you see that they couldn't see themselves. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. C.S. Lewis said this, Friendship is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. You know, you are able to see in your friends things that they can't see themselves. Like I know myself, I have so many insecurities and so many different things that, that unfortunately at times make me not believe in myself. But when somebody comes up to me and says, Man, I believe in you. I see this in you. All of a sudden, it creates this environment to shine. I want to encourage you, who this week can you go to and say, I believe in you. I see this in you. I know God's going to do great things through you. I know that that dream that God put in your heart that you should not give up because God's going to do something great. So I want to encourage you this week, focus on your friendships. God made you to be in relationship. He made you to be known and to be loved. And you need those friendships in your life. You need to be known, all of you, all your strengths, your faults, your flaws, everything. But people that will see that and say, I still love you. I'm still by your side. So think, how can I be a better friend? What steps do I need to take in order to make friendship a priority? How will you let someone know that you believe in them this week? Let's focus on those friendships. Lastly, if, you know, talking about shining, how, how there is this, when you believe in Jesus, there is this light, that, that, that there's this life that you know. That isn't possible any way else. And, and just like we talked about pursuing friendships that we need, Jesus pursued you, and he's pursuing you right now. He died on the cross, and the reason that he did that is so that he can be with you. 
He desires friendship. He desires intimacy. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about four different kinds of love. There's phileo, which is what we're talking about today, which is like a brotherly love. There's eros, which is romantic. There's like the love of a parent, like a father or a mother. But then there's agape love, which is the love of a savior that only Jesus can truly give you. A lot of you have a, a hole, you have a void in your life that can only be filled through that agape Savior, love. And I know that Jesus is the only one that can offer that. So we're going to pray here in a little bit. And if that's you and you say, man, I feel that emptiness. I need that kind of Savior in my life. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And it's not magic words. It's a belief in your heart that Jesus, you are the only one that can do this. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And we thank you that that you are our Savior, that you love us unconditionally with that agape, over-the-top, undeserved love. Jesus, I pray for anybody in here who has never given their life to you, who who has never made you their Savior, Lord, that they would pray this with me. Just pray, dear God, thank you so much for dying on the cross for me. I know that I've messed up. I know that I've tried to do this on my own. And I've failed. But Jesus, today, I am accepting your gift of salvation. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my everything. And I want to live for you. Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. And I'm giving my life, my everything to you. In your name I pray. Amen.